Well, it's, so it's a bit, maybe a little bit loud. Are we all right? Okay. Um, well, it's great to be uh, here. It's great to be able to share this uh, wonderful day of celebration and rejoicing as uh, Gerpel and Beth come uh, to be baptized. I just want to uh, speak to you for a few moments uh, from a passage in the Bible that we're going to read uh, together now. I think it's going to come up behind me uh, if you don't have a Bible with you. Uh, but if you have one, it's Luke chapter 18. And we're going to be reading verses 18 through to verse 34. This is uh, an event in Jesus' life uh, when this man, as we introduce to him as the certain ruler, comes to him, verse 18, and asks Jesus, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, and that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And he said, All these things I have kept from my youth. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he became very sorrowful, he said, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it said, who then can be saved? But he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Then Peter said, see, we have left all and followed you. So he said to them, assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come eternal life. Then he took the 12 aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles, and will be mocked, and insulted, and spit on. They will scourge him and kill him, and the third day he will rise again. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, because they did not know the things which were spoken. I don't know if you um, remember, I, I must admit this, this program wasn't made when I was around, but it's a program that I've enjoyed watching over the years that I've been around. Uh, it's the program, The Good Life. Uh, if you don't know what The Good Life is, it's basically a, a comedy sitcom that I think was made in the 70s that really showed two different styles of life, two different lifestyles. There was 
the rich Ledbetters, the Margot and Jerry, uh, they had made it in life. They had got a good job. They had lots of money. They had a nice house. They had lots of wonderful things. But the real genius of that comedy, I guess, was the contrast then with the family who lived next door, the good family. He had left the, the, the way of going to work, getting money, and he'd given up all of that. And he'd started to work the ground, make his own food, grow his own food, living off what would be basically nothing. And the whole contrast is these two different lives that actually, although one was rich and one was poor, they seemed to both get out of life what they wanted. They seemed to both be content in the life that they had. And it just made me think, really, you know, in our life today, there are many people, isn't there, that, that are just trying to make things work. You know, we're trying to, to, to get a good job. We're trying to get the best house. We're trying to live up with the latest things because we want to try and make it in this life. We want to have a comfortable life. We want to be settled and we want to be happy with things that we have. Now, there's nothing wrong with those things. There's nothing wrong with wanting good things in this life. But I wonder how many of us have ever really thought about the question that, that Beth uh, alluded to earlier as she shared her testimony, am I ready to die? Am I ready for what comes next? You know, I might have my life sorted now. I might be living a wonderful life. But the real question is, who makes it into heaven? Who gets eternal life? What happens when we die? That's the big question. And here in this passage that we see here, we see this, this really rich man. We see a man who has a good life, who has made it. He, he, he probably doesn't need much else in this life. Just look down there if you've, if you've got a Bible at how this uh, passage describes him. When Jesus says, when he, when he comes to Jesus and asks that question, what must I do to be saved? Jesus says, you know the commandments. And what does this man say? All of those commandments I have kept from my youth. This is clearly, in his own estimation, a very good guy. Maybe you think this morning you're in balance, you're, you're a pretty good person. You do some pretty good things. But the other thing that this man was, was he was clearly very rich. The passage tells us at the end, he was very rich. Maybe this morning you're here and you think, well, actually, my life is going okay. My life is ticking by. I don't really want much. I'm, I've got the latest things. I've, I've got a good house. I've got a good family. I've got a good job. I, I'm actually, I'm okay. The thing that I find most amazing about this guy, that even though he was very rich, even though he had made it in life, even though in his own understanding he was very good, he'd kept all of the things, all the laws that he was supposed to keep, he still comes to Jesus to ask, what else must I do to be saved? So it's clear, I think, that this man understood that although he was living a good life and he had lots of things, there was something that was missing in his life. These things didn't give him the answer to that question. And so he comes to Jesus and he says, what must I do to be saved? Tell me, Jesus, what else, in addition to the things that I've already got, what else do I need to do 
in order that I can know where I'm going? And that's the question that this man comes. But, uh, but I wonder if you, if you listen as we read that passage together. As Jesus listens, is Jesus impressed by what this man says? Not really. Verse 22, Jesus says, having listened to all these things, you still lack one thing. Uh, and maybe for the people that were around, they were thinking, well, that's a truly outrageous thing to say. This is a man who's got everything. And Jesus says to him, you still lack one thing. If you want the answer to this question, what must I do to be saved? You still lack one thing. But maybe this religious, good teacher, wealthy teacher, rich ruler, maybe as Jesus said that thing, maybe he actually was quite relieved. He's come to Jesus and he's asked, what else can I do to be saved? And Jesus says, you know what? You lack one more thing. And maybe this guy thinks, brilliant. Jesus is going to give me the answer to this question and then I can do something else and then I can get eternal life. I can be sure of where I'm going. The problem is, if, we just, if you've got a Bible, if you look down at verse 22, what does Jesus say? Sell all you have, distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and then come and follow me. This man, if he had any excitement at the possibility of being told the one thing that he lacked, as Jesus said those words, his heart sank. Because he knew that he was not willing to do what Jesus was asking him to do. This man is very rich. For him to go and sell everything was just far too much. It was far too high a price to pay. Perhaps it really shows that maybe he didn't really truly want eternal life. And so Jesus says, sell everything you have and then come and follow me. Jesus touches on the one thing that was a little bit sensitive in this man's life. Jesus touches on the one thing that this man wasn't really prepared to do. This man was very rich and he would not let go of it. And let me just say that this passage isn't Jesus saying that if you want to become a Christian, you've got to go out today and sell everything you own and then come to Jesus. That is not what Jesus is saying. What Jesus is saying is that this man had placed far too much importance on the things of this world. He had placed far too much importance on his wealth, on the fact that he kept all the commandments. He had put, placed far too much emphasis on what he had done. And Jesus says, let go of those things. Let go of the things that are distracting you from me and then come and follow me. You see, it's interesting, this man knew the commandments. He's just told Jesus, all those commandments that Jesus has listed. He's just told Jesus he's kept them all. And not only has he kept them all, he's kept them from a very young age. But it's interesting, as religious and as good as he was, he didn't realise or he didn't understand at the time there were two commandments or at least two commandments that Jesus didn't say. 
And they were the two commandments that say, you are to love God with all your heart and you are to have no other gods before me. I wonder if this man could have truly said of those commandments, I have kept them. It's clear he hasn't. This man had made his wealth so important that he was not willing to do what was absolutely necessary to come and follow Jesus. Now that leaves us with a dilemma because we start to think, well, what things do I like more than any? What things do I love? What things are important to me above all things? I wonder if you just think this, this morning as you're sitting there listening, uh, maybe there are some things in your life that if you were to lose them tomorrow, you would say, my life would be utterly ruined. I couldn't carry on because I've lost those things. Maybe it's a person, maybe it's an object, maybe it's a thing, whatever it might be. Whatever it is that would cause you to say, my life is finished, there's no point in living. That might be the thing that is keeping you from God. That might be the thing that you are placing far too much emphasis on. Jesus says, if you want to come follow me, you've got to put me first, you've got to surrender everything to me. You can have all the things in this world, that's fine, but don't put them in place of me. Don't let them come between uh, your relationship with me. And you see, as this man came to Jesus, what happened? He went away sad because he was not willing to let go of his earthly treasure. And that's what we see there, don't we? This man, he was offered treasure in heaven. Treasure in heaven that will never, ever disappear. It's eternal. It goes on forever. But what did he get? He was left with treasure on earth that will disappear, that will fade away. So it leaves us with the question that those that were around then asked, Who then can be saved? If this man, as good as he is, as wealthy as he is, if he can't be saved, if he's gone away from Jesus sad, who on earth can be saved? Jesus says, you know what? It's incredibly hard for those who are rich to come to Jesus. In fact, it's so hard, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. I don't know if you ever tried to picture that. I can't picture it. It's impossible. It's hard for those who have things and have placed all their emphasis on this world to come to Jesus. Not because it's impossible to come to Jesus, but because those things will get in the way. This man came to Jesus. He came to the right person. He came to the right place. But here is the fundamental error in his ways. The question he asked was in the first person. What can I do to be saved? What can I do to inherit eternal life? He sorted all of his own life out. He's made it in life, probably of his own doing. And he thought he could earn his way into heaven simply by what he's done. And Jesus says, there is no one that is good except God. There is no one that is good. No one can ever make the mark. So then we ask that question again. Who can be saved? And then we get the wonderful promise in verse 27. What is impossible for us to do is possible with God. God can do what seems to be impossible. 
So then the answer to the question, who then can be saved, is all those who will come to Jesus and follow him. All those who will let go of the things of this world and come to Jesus with empty hands. How did God make this possible? He sent Jesus. God made it possible for our relationship to be restored with him because he sent Jesus. And we see that in verses 32 to 33. What does Jesus say? For he will be handed, that's Jesus, over to the Gentiles, that's the people of the day, and he will be mocked and insulted and spit on, and after they flog him, they will kill him, and, they will, and he will rise on the third day. That is the message of the gospel. Jesus came into this world to live the life that we could never live. No one is good except God, and Jesus is God. He died the death that we should have died because we have displeased God. We have sinned and we've fallen short of his mark. He paid the price that we would deserve to pay so that we could, as Jesus rose and he defeated death, he defeated the power of sin, we could enter into eternal life. We could have the certainty of knowing where we're going when we die because Jesus has done it all on our behalf. But we have to come to him. And that is why this story is so incredibly sad because this man came to Jesus. He came to the right place. This man, Jesus, had all the answers this rich man needed and he walked away sad because he would not do what was absolutely necessary in order that he could come and follow Jesus. So as we finish, I want to go back to those two questions that we've thought about. What can I do to be saved? On your own, nothing. Because no one is good. Who then can be saved? All those who come to Jesus. All those who let go of this world and come and follow him. You know what? We come into the world, don't we? If you've ever had children, you come into the world and most children come into, their hand, into the world with their hands and their fists clenched. And when we leave this world, when we die, we leave this world with our hands open on our chests. I don't mean to be morbid by saying that, but what I'm trying to say is we come into the world with nothing and we leave the world with nothing. And all the things that we might be placing our hope in, we might be building in this life, one day they will not be there. This man was offered an incorruptible inheritance, treasure in heaven. But he would not do what was necessary. And so he went away sad. He looked into the eyes of the one who could help. But he wouldn't let go of his wealth. And maybe this morning you think, you're here this morning and you think you're good enough. Maybe you're here this morning and you think, you know what, I can earn my way into heaven. Maybe you're here this morning and you've heard this message over and over and over again and you think, I've heard it all before. Maybe this morning you can relate to something of what this man speaks of when you're here and life is going well but something isn't right. There's something missing in your life and you can't put your finger on it. One thing you lack, Jesus says, 
let go of everything in this world and then come and follow me and you will have treasure in heaven. The moment any one of us think that we can do anything in ourselves to be saved and to inherit eternal life, we are on very dangerous ground. And here is the wonderful thing. You don't need to be an expert in the Bible. You don't need to be an expert in all the things about the Christian faith. The message of the gospel is so incredibly simple. It says, come to Jesus, just as you are, with empty hands, bringing nothing to the table. And therefore, the only reason, the only answer you can give as you stand at the gates of heaven, if, that's, if I can use that imagery, as you stand before the gates of heaven, and if you're asked why you're here, the only answer is that Jesus said that I could come. That's what Ger, Paul and Beth have come to acknowledge and believe this morning. They recognise they can't do it on their own. They recognise as they stood here and as they go into the waters of baptism, it wasn't anything to do with them that saved them. It wasn't their goodness, it wasn't their, what they had, it wasn't anything other than they came to Jesus with empty hands and they said, Jesus, forgive my sins. Accept me. And they've lived, they're living their life trusting and knowing who Jesus is. Not a perfect life, but they're living, looking to Jesus. And that is the message of the gospel. And that is the message that's open to everyone here this morning. Don't think that we can do anything ourselves. This morning, will you come to Jesus, just as you are? We're going to sing now as we prepare for the baptism. Uh, it's, it's a song, um, we have heard a joyful sound. It just declares the wonderful truth that there is nobody else in this world that can save us apart from Jesus Christ. So we're going to sing together as we get ready to uh, baptise uh, Beth and Gerpel. Uh, as we finish the song, if you would like to just sit down after the song finishes, um, the, the cameras are going to show the, the baptistry on the screen, so if you're sitting in the pews, uh, you'll be able to see what's going on down here. Oh, are we saying children can come forward? Uh, so at the end of the song, if children, if you want to come forward, uh, you're only allowed to come forward if you promise me not to go any further than the step. Uh, because we don't want anyone um, going in. So children, if you want to come down, you can come down and just sit on the flat section, but don't gap on the steps. Uh, but we'll do that at the end of this song uh, after we've joined together. So let's stand together as we sing this song.
we're going to have the actual baptism now. Um, this pool is boiling. We put it on, I put it on boost last night. We put it on at two o'clock in the morning. And it's, I had a bath last night that was colder than this. So can you, can you feel how hot it is? So, oh, sorry. So we're just waiting on Gerpa. I think he's getting ready, putting his swimming costume on. And once he's ready, we'll go for it. Make sure you kids stay back, okay? Okay. We only want two baptisms. Okay. Okay. 